Hello and welcome to this audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files with host Earl Erskine. Thank you for joining us. On each episode of this program, Earl, a former LDS bishop, interviews a former Mormon guest about their journey out of Mormonism and into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. These stories are encouraging, fascinating, and often moving. For more information on the Ex-Mormon Files internet video program, please visit exmormonfiles.com. That's exmormonfiles.com. And now, here's Earl. In the next few weeks, we're going to be meeting, up close and personal, someone who has been called the bravest woman in Utah. She's a pioneer in the truest sense of the word, and when you think about the Mormon Christian debate, I think one name would always pop up and probably be at the top of the list, and that name is Sandra Tanner. And so I'm really thrilled to welcome Sandra Tanner. Yes. And I know you've done tons of interviews over the years. How many do you think you've done? I have no idea. No way to even count. She's been interviewed locally and nationally. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think, of course, all the shows that are on TV20 reach different audiences. Yes. And I think we have a a movement, it feels like at any rate, of new people coming Mm -hmm. out of the church that may not know you up close and personal. And so... And this will be a different kind of an interview in this, uh, from what we usually do in the sense that we want to kind of meet Sandra Tanner in, in a personal way and kind of get a little of her story, a lot of her story, and uh, how she came to be where, where she's at. So why don't you give us a little bit of your background <laughs> and your heritage? Uh, okay. Um, well, my heritage goes back to practically the beginning of Mormonism. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Um, uh, my great great grandfather was Brigham Young, and he joined Mormonism in the early 1830s. And um, his first wife died. He remarried to a lady named Marianne Angel, and she's my great great grandma. Wow. And so Brigham Young and Marianne came west when the Mormons were expelled from Illinois. Yeah. And uh, Brigham went into polygamy in Nauvoo before he ever came out to Utah. A lot of Mormons think it all happened because they came across the plains and yeah, men died. Were, yeah, but, but they were living polygamy yeah, already. In Nauvoo. <laughs> in for Nauvoo. Sure. So yeah. Brigham already had married plural wives, quite a few of them, before he came west. But um, then they start up Salt Lake City and Brigham Young becomes the territorial governor yeah. of Utah and uh, adds to his family. He ends up with something like 55 wives. We aren't sure of the count. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason we aren't sure of the count, because they didn't always tell each other. Like a man didn't always tell his wife when he took another one. It didn't make for the best relations to say, you know, hey, hon, I (laughs) just married number 43. (laughs) Have you, did some of the journals and some of the diaries of these women have they come forward or come uh, there is the there is some stuff on some of these women a number of them a number of joseph smith's widows Rose. married oh. brigham young oh that's right and so in the book in sacred loneliness where todd compton a mormon scholar gives a biography of the different women you will see a number of joseph smith's wives will then go on to marry brigham young wow and so anyways they get yeah. out to utah and um Brigham's son, Brigham Young Jr., by Marianne, uh, grows up to become an apostle in the Mormon Church. 
Brigham Young Jr. Okay, how many yeah. Brigham Young Juniors were there? Do you think? I was there think there was. One? Yes, I think there was. I think one of the other wives named, named her son was. Brigham Young as well. Yeah. But um, the one that is known in church history, you would see referenced mostly, would be my great grandpa Brigham okay. Young Jr. And he was actually was he president of the Council of Twelve? Yes, he was a, an apostle, and apostle. at the turn of the 1900 time period. He would have been in line to be next president of the church, but uh, he died uh, relatively young for general authorities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of them lived. I, to I think be. he was in his sixties or something. I mean, you know, That's nowadays they live to eighty, ninety, yeah. or hundred or whatever. Anyways, Brigham Young Jr. also practiced polygamy. He had, I don't know, four or six wives, something wow. like that. And so I don't come down through the first wife in that go-around with Brigham Young Jr. I come from, I think it's his third wife. Wow. He married her just before the manifesto, I think in 1889. Hmm. And But he did take plural wives after the manifesto as well. And I heard that there were a few that did that on the, <laughs> yes. on the slide. Now, were they sealed in the temple? Was that yes. part of the process well, of those? They, they may have been sealed in the endowment ceremony. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, yeah, that they would have been done. Some would have been done in the temple. Some were done down in Mexico. Some, mm -hmm. you know, were done in other mm -hmm. locations. I didn't. Today, a Mormon thinks of sealings as only happening in the temple, but in early Mormon oh, history, right. a number of them they had the endowment house. Well, and before that, they did it just out on the riverbank or something. Joseph Smith was sealed to women wow. in homes or out under a tree or. Something so wherever he could get it, where, right? where you could get it to happen. Well, now was Brigham Young's the ones that came, left Joseph or, or from Joseph Smith being their husband yeah. and to to Brigham Young was that uh, were they sealed to them to Brigham Young? They, in other words, who gets them in the hereafter? I guess. They were sealed to Brigham Young for time and to Joseph for eternity. Okay, except some of them already had husbands when they married Joseph That's Smith, true. and then they married Brigham. And they still got this other husband out there. I mean, it's just, it's a very odd yeah, fun, fun mix time. of yeah. all of that stuff. But anyways. They're going to be surprised anyway, <laughs> yeah. aren't they? Brigham had um, 50, about 56 children. Wow. And uh, one of them was Brigham Young Jr. <clears throat> I don't remember how many kids Brigham Jr. had, but he had a son, Walter, who was my grandpa. Okay. And uh, so my grandma... Uh, that married Walter, She her last name was Pierce. Mm -hmm. And Sylvia Pierce descended her father, um, uh, uh, James Pierce, participated in the Mountain Meadow Massacre, and his father, Harrison Pierce. Wow. So in my family line, I have Brigham Young on the one side that's... Uh, uh, held to be responsible for the massacre <laughs> happening, and on the other family line, I have People a grandpa, a great grandpa, and a great great grandpa that both participated in the massacre. Wow! But uh, anyway, Sylvia Pierce married Walter, uh, son of an apostle, and uh, they had um, I can't remember. I think it was eight, eight or nine kids, and uh, so I had a lot of aunts and uncles. Yeah. Um, my father's side of the family were converts into Mormonism, so uh, I'm not sure if there's any polygamy from, there might have been through my grandma's line, because her family was old line Mormon, but my grandpa was a convert in. So my folks uh, 
were here in Salt Lake. When they got married, they got married in the Salt Lake Temple. Okay. And then uh, that would have been in the 1930s. I don't remember what year it was. Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't there, you know. No, no. Well, <laughs> but, how many brothers and sisters do you have? I have an older sister and a younger brother. Okay. And my mom uh, and dad got married in the temple. Then with the World War II looming, yeah. um, they went down to California uh, for defense work. I was born here in Salt Lake in 1941, here in the Salt Lake at the okay. LDS Hospital. Okay. Blessed by the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, but they moved to California for my dad to work in the defense work down there. During World War II. World World II. II. Yeah. Okay. And um, so, uh, since he already had a couple of kids, I mean, he wasn't being called up to oh, go I serve. Sure. So uh, he worked at uh, Lockheed down in the San Fernando Valley. Wow. But you know, Let me interrupt just a second. Yeah. You, you mentioned uh, a grandma, and I, I've read a lot uh, about trying yeah. to prepare for our interview uh, for the next few weeks, and, and one of the cute stories that I remember reading was about Walter Young's uh, wife, your yeah, grandma. Yeah, that's my grandma, yeah. And you were telling, a, told in another interview a cute story about her. and uh, she... Yeah, well, my grandma was a real character. <laughs> um, at this point of the story, Grandpa Young had died, okay. and uh, Grandma was uh, a single woman, and the... Tabernacle Choir was going to go on a tour of Europe, and they were going to visit the temple in Switzerland mm -hmm. on the tour. And my grandma signed up to go on the tour with the choir, and she wanted to go see the Swiss temple. Well, she always wore garments, but she had not renewed her temple recommend for a while. So she went in to get a recommend updated, and uh, the bishop's going along on the questions. Well, sister, you know, I mean, she'd been in that ward forever, so everyone knew her you know, <laughs> it wasn't like she hadn't showed up before. I mean, they knew right. who she was. And the bishop's just chatting with her. And he said, well, how are you doing on the Word of Wisdom? And she says, <clears throat> oh, uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm no problem. Yeah, I'm keeping the Word of Wisdom. Uh, well, I do have a cup of coffee in the morning. But other than that, yeah, I keep the Word of Wisdom. And the bishop says, oh, well, wait a minute. Well, I can't give you a recommend if you're having coffee every morning. And my grandma said, bishop, you know everyone on my block has coffee in the morning. And the bishop's response to her was, yes, but they didn't tell me. <laughs> so he was over a barrel. Huh? Uh, I don't remember <clears throat> if she got to get her temple recommend or not. I just remember telling the, that story. And go through the Swiss <clears throat> temple. Yeah. Well, it was uh, that was a funny story, I thought. <laughs> now, so your mom and dad married in the temple. Mm -hmm. And uh, what does your family, I mean, they're active in the church and the kids are... Well, when when we moved to California... This was the first time that my parents had lived outside of Mormonville. Okay, yes. and the, away from the family. Away from the stuff. family, away from the church. You're down in an area where no one cares if you're Mormon. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and your next-door neighbors aren't going to be Mormon. So they're not and, uh, judging you that way. Yeah, yeah, so it was kind of like a freedom. Uh, so I don't know just when along the line, maybe when I was in... Sometime along the way in grammar school, my mother quit wearing her garments. Mm, now That's a big step, really, yes. isn't it? Uh, and her justification for this was that she wore a hearing aid. And back in the 40s, to wear a hearing aid, she had a big battery pack that strapped oh, on her leg, 
had a cord that came up to a headset that went behind your ears oh, with little God. transmitter things behind your ears. Yeah. And so she had this get-up thing she had to put on. And, uh, of course, back in the 40s, the garment was a one-piece Oh, that's right, yeah, rather thing. than two-piece. Yeah, well, yeah, now it's two-piece, but it was one-piece. Oh, boy, and, so really uh, awkward to wear. Yeah, she told my dad, she says, I can't deal with the this hearing aid and <laughs> garments too. It's just too awkward to put this on and have my garments on too and cords and all this stuff. And uh, so that was her mm. pretext. I suspect that she had other issues besides. I don't think yeah. she was ever happy with the garments. Uh, I think she always carried a certain resentment with my father because he made her keep them on on their wedding night. Uh, One of those. Really devout, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> and uh, she said, I felt so ugly on my wedding night that oh. she just, I don't know if she ever got over it. But uh, she quit wearing her garments. Well, my dad then quit wearing his because if she's not wearing hers, it, do it doesn't do him any good. And they're living in California and beach weather anyway. So. Yeah, oh, that's true. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I remember them being in the drawer and then uh, at some point they quit being in the drawer anymore. She's we're gone. Huh? <laughs> just, we're gone. You mentioned somewhere along the way, too, that she had a little bit of a, a thought that the temple ceremony was a little strange because yeah. back in those days they did blood oaths yes. kind of thing and that yeah. kind of bothered her it sounded like. And right there were a number of things that had bothered her as a teenager she used to clean house for the bishop here in Salt Lake mm. and when his daughter got married in the temple my mom observed in the summer that the daughter was either cutting off the garments or rolling up the sleeves, but she was wearing <laughs> sleeveless blouses, you know. In some yeah. way, she was modifying the garment. to. A, uh, and my mom thought this was really uh, sacrilegious or whatever, sure. you know, that, yeah. that, that, wow, the bishop allows her to do that. And and then she gets married, and here my dad's this fanatic that, that you got to keep the garments on on your wedding yeah, night. On the wedding and, night, oh boy. <laughs> and the bishop's daughter gets to modify her garments for her fashion. So, so little things that kind little of things. It, her. She was bothered by the ritual itself. It just was so bizarre. Uh, some up to her was funny. I mean, when she said, because uh, the women sit on one side, the men sit on the other. Right. And uh, she said she looked over at my dad, and he's got his hat on backwards and crooked to everybody else. And she just felt like bursting out laughing. She said it just looked, it was so ridiculous. <laughs> there is a, a little bit of humor that goes on in there, I must say. Yeah, but she, uh, so I think she always was bothered by some elements of the ceremony. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then Fawn Brody's book came out in the mid-1940s, uh, her no. biography of Joseph no Smith, man No Man Knows My history. history. I'm not sure when my mother saw that. It may have been in the 50s. I don't know that she saw it that, in the 40s. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure just at what point. But she read it. My grandma read it, wow. the one that was drinking <laughs> coffee in the morning. And uh, my one of my aunts... Uh, older sister of my mother's read it, and they that put them on a search and uh, well, I guess ultimately was partly responsible for my journey because I was aware that they were looking at these that. things. And I know as a young person, when we'd drive over to the Ward House in California, we would we the route we took took us past the reorganized LDS Church. Oh. So I was aware that there was a splinter group okay. 
because uh, my, mo my mother pointed out the church, <laughs> and and a little bit was said, not big discussion, but a little bit was said about, you know, that's what, what a breakoff group of are. Mormonism, yeah. and they think the Utah group's wrong, and yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what all her experience had been with them. Wow. But as a grammar school kid, I was aware there was a reorganized LDS church, wow. so it wasn't <laughs> as big a surprise as it, was, it is to some when they find out they're different Breakoff groups of Mormons. That believe in Joseph Smith the, yeah. and the Book of Mormon yeah. and everything. And so this impacted her. And I guess Von Brody's book was really one of the first that would be, I mean, we'd call it, I guess the church would call it anti-Mormon, but it's just yeah. factual. It just tells the right. story. Uh, I really good, there hadn't been a good biography of Joseph Smith. Yeah. Yeah. And the church material was also edited and polished. That Gee, Never heard of that before. <laughs> that uh, Brody's book was a breath of fresh air for people because here was a candid look at the man. Uh, and the Mormons respond to her bro book as though it's you know, just mm, oh, evil. Yeah. And, but it really is a pretty decent and it's, biography. And it stood, stood, it stood very the well, test, test of time, yes. Yeah. So she read that. And uh, so behind the scenes, as far as I was concerned, she was doing research that I wasn't even aware of. Oh. Um, now, I was baptized at eight down in uh, the San Fernando Valley. Mm -hmm. I don't remember which Went ward it was. Went to primary and all that uh, stuff? I didn't get the primary <laughs> oh. real regularly. I got there some. My folks yeah. had started up their own business at that point, and um, I don't think it always fit in their calendar. So <laughs> I wasn't a regular yeah. at primary. Uh, we usually made it to church, although as I got into oh, maybe the fifth grade, uh, they weren't as committed to going every Sunday. Mm. Well, I was this good little Mormon, and I'd say, but daddy, aren't we going to church today? <laughs> They're planning on going to the beach, you know, and <clears throat> well, honey, uh, <laughs> next Sunday we'll go to church, this Sunday we're going to the beach, you know. So uh, this was an ongoing thing through my teen years with my family. I was the. You were the one that wanted. I to was go, the huh? guilt trip for everyone. <laughs> we should be in church. Oh my goodness! <laughs> when your That's little unusual, kid says that it? to you, yeah. you know, you're like, oh. Yeah. So yeah. they were kind of uh, hit and miss on hit, the church. The, at that point, yeah, they were yeah. hit and miss. Um, but I went whenever uh, I could get them to take me. Yeah. <laughs> now you had an experience in in about the eighth grade that you would, yes, that you've well, shared with others and yes, remember this? Yeah, in eighth grade, uh, it was in gym class, and this Christian girl came up to me and she said, "Sandra, uh, I understand you're a Mormon." And I said, "Well, yeah." And she says, "Well, what do the Mormons believe about God?" And <laughs> I'm trying to think. Okay, how do you answer that one? So, and then I remembered, I was taught this little phrase by Lorenzo Snow, as man is, God once was, as God is, man may become. And so you told her and that. And so I said that to her, and she just looked at me horrified, and she says, Sandra, that's blasphemy, oh, and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> and there I'm standing, um, hmm, hmm. you know, what was wrong with that? <laughs> that's and funny. I ran it back through my mind, as man is, God once was, as God is, man could become. Oh, sounds fine to me. Yeah. yeah. 
So, yeah. Didn't that struck you that she, it's, is that really the first time you'd probably? It's the first time I'd ever had my faith challenged by anyone, you know. where anyone said anything negative about it. Wow. I mean, other people didn't know about it, yeah. you know, but I mean, I had a little Jewish girl through uh, grammar school, and we hung around together because we were the two oddballs. Everyone else was Protestant. Oh, and the Jewish and the Mormon girl. <laughs> and Jewish and the Mormon girl. We hung out together. Well, there was, there finally in sixth grade, there came a Catholic girl to the school. Mm. But uh, Alice Ripley, she was pretty, and we decided we didn't like her. No, you because <laughs> she was cute. Because huh? she was cute. So, uh, <laughs> so Ellen and me hung out together, uh, but there was no. Uh, tension, uh, religious wise on our belief systems, you yeah. know. So in the eighth grade, it's the first time anyone said really anything negative about Mormonism to me. Wow. So it was really a surprise, you know, yeah. blasphemy. Well, that's kind of strong. Everybody you should, know? should believe the same thing. Or yeah. Something. Well, well, yeah, it made sense to me. I couldn't understand why she had a problem. <laughs> well, I've got a couple of little personal kinds of yeah. questions to ask you about your time growing up. You were yeah. in California yeah. at this point. Uh, do you recall any favorite movies or any favorite books that you read? <laughs> Anything that uh, oh, when wow. you were growing up? Well, Saturday matinees uh, were the thing to do, and uh, Tarzan all the kids and used to go to the Tom Mix and all that kind yeah. of stuff. No, that, no, that people today won't even know what that's about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's probably. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, we got TV. I don't know when I was in fifth grade or something. Wow, TV oh, set, you know, a little black and white. Yeah, so <laughs> and I got we we had a problem because my folks had their own business, so they'd get home some nights not and not get home till nine. And back then, when you turned your TV off, it didn't go right off. Oh, I know. Yeah, it had it this light that, that would go down. It would get to this little pinpoint of light, and that took a minute to go away. Yeah, I'll sit and watch that. So. <laughs> We're watching TV. We hear the folks drive in. We jump up and you had to go turn the TV off back in those days. We jump up and run over and turn the TV off, jump in bed, act like we're asleep. But the dot doesn't go away. So they knew you were up. Oh, huh? yeah. And then my dad figured out all he had to do was put his hand on the TV Feel and it was warm. warm. <laughs> okay, you guys. The old tubes that were in the old, <laughs> the old TVs. Tubes, yeah. um, you remember any uh, games that you played as a child, things that you enjoyed doing? Oh, Parcheesi and Monopoly. Oh, did you? <coughs> Stuff like that. I used to like Monopoly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then my sister, what was she had been? Seventh, sixth, seventh grade, she discovered Ouija boards. And <laughs> I don't know why my folks let her get a Ouija board, but anyways... Yeah, we, so, we so, stayed away from that. <laughs> we had, she had a Ouija board. She was fascinated with magic. She got my dad to take her to a couple of different magic shows. Oh my goodness. And she got into hypnosis. Wow. Uh, just in junior high and, and she was trying to hypnotize me and my little <laughs> girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> was she successful or? Uh, well, yeah, actually, with was my, she? my little girlfriend, uh, she hypnotized her and told her she was strong enough. I don't know if she told her she was superwoman or what, oh, but that dear. she was pro strong enough to pick up the foot of my folks' bed. And and she did. She went over and picked up the foot of the bed. Shocked you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. You know, so I don't know if it's a power of suggestion, really hypnosis. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, I was very impressed. <laughs> um so, yeah, life with my sister was uh, kind of different. She was uh, a little eccentric and different in 
did different she, ways like that. Did and, she end up being a new ager kind of person? Or yeah, did she, she you know, later. Yeah, uh, she married a Mormon boy, but then uh, uh, later uh, they got a divorce, and then she kind of went into new age stuff for years and years and years. So she so did finally become a Christian, but oh, good. she spent many years out in. California's smorgasbord of believe anything you oh, want and take your pick. And there was a lot of pick. that in the 50s and 60s <laughs> yeah. and stuff, yeah. Well, one, a couple of last ones. Uh, favorite food as a child? Do you remember anything particularly? Uh, mm, ice cream. Uh, <laughs> especially in California. In <laughs> California, This has been the audio edition of The Ex-Mormon Files. The Ex-Mormon Files is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. For information about this program, including past and current video episodes, please visit exmormonfiles.com. From there, you can also download audio episodes of this program. If you have an Ex-Mormon story you would like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Please write us at contact at exmormonfiles.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.